Hi, Internet. My name is Jonathan Matos. And this is Melissa Matos. Welcome to Unboxing Story, where we explore narrative from the fringes. Uh, we're going to be talking about alternative music, and um, the, we're going to start a series about concept albums and talking about our own musical tastes and how story and music kind of come together and um, what, what it is that we uh, like about music and what makes it, you know, a first or second or third love and how that works with art where you have different uh, interests like that. But before then, we're going to do an ad read. So we'll see you on the flip side. Introducing Cain and Abel, the first part of the Seven Deadly Sins series. A handicapped boy wants to cure his own muscle disease, but a rivalry turns his ambitions into obsessions. The ending had a perfect feeling of unease and suspense. It basically felt the same way as when I finished watching Psycho for the first time. Megan Pegasus, Booktuber, Reviewer. Dennis Kane has a pretty average near-death experience. White light, crisis of faith, family bonding, don't forget delusions of grandeur. Plenty of those. After a surgery gone wrong leaves him bedridden, Dennis isn't satisfied with just regaining his strength. His harrowing journey of rehabilitation is just the beginning, as he seeks to cure his own muscle weakness, impress the girl of his dreams, and destroy his childhood bully. You know, your average delusions of grandeur. Experience the first chapter in a companion series based on the seven deadly sins. Each tale will investigate the horrors of human error across history and contrasts our corruption with the power of the gospel. Welcome back. So we're going to talk about, uh, before we get into the actual album, <clears throat> My 21 Pilots. If you if you somehow click this without seeing the title, like, you, maybe your screen is so dirty that you didn't, you don't want to look at it. <laughs> or maybe you were just so randomly it's like, I need something. podcasts from iTunes? Yeah. Is, is that a you random a, play thing? You, you're playing podcast roulette and... Maybe that's why you're not looking at the screen is because you shot Podcast it. roulette should be a thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do that eventually. Um, hold that, hold us to that. Anyway, no, don't really. Please <laughs> email us every day. <laughs> anyway, email um, us. Period would be nice. Yeah, we, yes, we, we would like to hear from you. Um, but anyway, uh, we're coming at this first of all because um, we do we both I think wanted to somehow bring music into uh, what we do. Um, and it's been something that's been in both of our lives. Uh, but I kind of refer to it as not my like first love, because I think that there are things in my brain that prevent me from uh, fully committing to that as like a hobby, both in the performance. And like, I, I, re I remember, uh, you know, I went to a, an art arts high school and it seemed to me that the people that were very good, musically had their brains worked in a very different way from mine. Um, and so I, I feel like there's some of those things that I don't like, but I do like poetry and I like the writing aspect of it and writing to create images that speak to groups of people. And um, every now and again, like I, I posted a poem uh, a few uh, months ago on my Instagram. Uh, so I do like to dabble in that. But I also wanted to talk about 21 Pilots because um, I was describing how, to Melissa, about how um, my taste in music went from, you know, I liked punk in middle school because 
I got along with all the punk outcast kids and um, the the kids that, you know, were, I guess, like, they liked wearing all the goth stuff and uh, um, that it's, it's, it's weird to talk about now because that, you know, there was still, like, even though uh, a lot of my generation had to deal with all this, like, stuff about self-esteem and stuff like that, like, and I like middle school had a conflict management uh, program where like you could come and have mediation done by a group of your peers. There was still like, you know, you kids are weird and you like the weird things and we don't talk to you. Um, But then that kind of disappeared from the music spectrum. And then there was now we have alternative bands and they don't, they kind of have some electronic influence in their production they have, um, like, in this album, you have rap. Um, but then within the text of the music, you have an analyzation of what, like, what is, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to be, like, rock stars? Are we trying to be, like, gangsters, he talks about. Um, and so I I very much like um, music where there is some kind of thought because Part of me, I think, with performance and with music, doesn't like the um, show the showmanship of it. Like it's very much, it's hard for me to get lost in it because it very much looks to me like a dude up there that thinks he's the bomb. And there are only certain people that I'm willing to give that level of respect mm-hmm. to, like, be able to do that. Um, and my mind goes to that kind of rock star mentality of like there are rock stars and then there are posers <laughs> and like there are, there are a lot of posers. I, I think of them as performers. There are people who are born performers and I don't care what genre they're doing. You know, mm. they are born performers. Mm. So I am coming into this just having gone see Bo- seen Bohemian Rhapsody today. Mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury was a born performer. Right. That man could have been up there singing like I'm a little teacup and it would have been amazing just because mm. it's him. It's right. the personality behind it doing this amazing stuff. Michael Jackson was very much the same way. Um, there's been several that are just like, that guy could be a literally up there doing whatever, but because he's a born performer, he makes it awesome. Right. Um, I, 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 I tend to be cautious about musicians that are self-analyzing like this because uh-huh. I think it can come off very pretentious if it's not done right. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to put all this stuff in there because they want to sound smarter than they are. Right. Yeah. Oh, and I think we're definitely going to get into that because there's it's it can be strange when in tone it shifts so quickly from emotional self-analyzation to analyzation of the industry to like more abstract ideas mm-hmm. like it, it within the different songs there are so many changes in like well i thought you were talking to this person right it seems like you're talking to this person right. and because like i don't mind it if people are being ironic like they're trying to be funny about it mm-hmm. or whatever that's a different thing than than to try and be like uh, you know like you're dissing something mm-hmm. and you know better than love like you're criticizing something uh-huh. <clears throat> within the within the thing that you're criticizing. So like mm-hmm. they're criticizing the music industry, but they are obviously a part of the music industry. Right. So you know, it's a it's an interesting right thing. Right. Um so we're gonna go through each one of the songs 
and I've, I've taken some notes, although another uh, thing that we both want to say is that um, I, none of us have, neither of us have studied music in any serious way. We, we feel like we could be authorities about maybe uh, poetry. Yeah, you know, about more about writing because we've taken the time. I don't know about authority, but at least I know a little bit about adolescent poetry. <laughs> well, like you, I think I can say <clears throat> that I have studied music since, or not music, have studied writing since high school, and so I have some ideas of the basics of it, and I've done enough of it that I feel like I can speak as an authority on it. But um, it, in terms of studying music and and even as a fan, like I'm not as big of a music fan. So like, if I'm going to talk about like comics, I didn't study comics formally, but, but I been a fan of comics have, for a long time. I have no of the context. Right. I've read enough comics that I can tell certain things in context. Yeah, that is one thing I need to be careful about this because a, I'm not that familiar with the alter. I mean, I like alternative music, mm-hmm. but I only just recently realized how much I liked right. certain bits. Like I haven't been listening to this since high school, which I could have been. Mm-hmm. listening to that since high school because punk was big when i was in high school also right but um, yeah it's i don't think it's either of our first loves right like we're not like in the, i was in more into classic rock when i was in high school i was more into pop music than i was into alternative so i don't have as much context for this mm-hmm. at all so really i'm gonna mostly be coming at it from the lyric side although i did enjoy the music and i thought it was really well done um <clears throat> that's mostly what i'm gonna be looking at is words so the first song, uh, Heavy Dirty Soul, I wrote that um, it's kind of like there's this ambiguous sense of, like, he's, he's writing about, because he's saying, like, uh, save my heavy dirty soul. There's this idea of salvation that he introduces. And throughout the songs, there's all these, like, um, religious and and moral ideas that are brought up. And they're, because it's poetic in nature it's not really giving you um he's not worried about you thinking of a specific thing like like you could talk about allegories that we would know of in fiction like there's a one-to-one representation right so um i I was saying it's it seems to me like it's salvation from an ambiguous death-like existence and um throughout the song he also talks about and, and criticizes um, both rock and hip-hop ideas. And throughout the album, it, it seems like there's this idea of like them being different from what you've heard. Like, they, they want you to know that. Um, so Because he references specifically Twist and Shout, which is a Beatles reference, and YOLO, which is from Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, he says, like, we're not gangsters, we're not, this isn't hip-hop. And so even though he raps throughout the album, it's there, there's trying to, and, and that's where I think I agree with you with the pretentiousness of it is if you're cool, you don't have to say you're cool. Yeah. So it, it, saying, and, and this is something that it's not just this band. And I think when you're used to hearing it from other bands and from other artists, it can be easier to have it be in your music, but, set, but like putting that in there, as um like we want you to know that we're different i think it comes from this idea that like you know um and i was reading that in order to be taken seriously as as artists 
they had because of how weird the music industry is now. They had to play like metal shows and um, or right, metal venues. Like, where were they going to put them? <laughs> right. right, and so the, it, they they picked up all this stuff like a like a ball of uh, uh, like snowball. Like, yeah, they they snowballed into where they are now. So it's part of their decoration that like don't don't put us in a box, but it does have that risk. I think for some listeners to come across as like, well, we're not like it's like me thinks she she doesn't protest too much. Like it's like well, I didn't necessarily put you in that. Yeah, but I mean, I can understand him wanting maybe to distance himself from what rap is currently. Right, and that's the idea with the YOLO and twist and shout. He's trying. I think it does go deeper to this level of it's not necessarily just and and throughout the album, it's not necessarily just that they're saying we're better than these Right, people. it sounds like we're different than it's these that people. There's a message that we have that's different. Okay. And so it, I'd say, I think in as much as the quality of their message is, is how much, how seriously you take what they're saying, because it's not necessarily just, oh, look at me, I'm cool. It's right. Because it's not, like, it's not like, so when I think of rap, mm-hmm. this is probably going to sound ridiculous. Well, I mean, um, he mentions gangster rap, so the rap yeah, that you're familiar with is, is the is rap like that he's talking rap, about. Where it's very, very heavy rhythm and very about violence and very, like, mm-hmm. the, the rhymes themselves aren't necessarily anything amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a very specific subject matter, right. etc. This reminds me a lot more of what rap, or what what, are, what did you used to call it? Street, street poetry, street uh-huh. rhyming, where you're you're more improv- improvising stuff and it was very poetic <clears throat> and a lot a lot less rhythm heavy. I mean there's there's rhythm in this. It's not like it's not a lot of beats, but mm-hmm. it's it's not it doesn't feel the same to me right. as like gangster rap does. Right. So I could see him trying to say like look uh, obviously we're not but you don't have to say oh we're not that if you're not that. So like <laughs> yeah. it's like you're right. You're like protesting and- a little too much about this thing. We we get that you're not them like Mm-hmm. Right, and, and these are white guys, right? Yeah, they're both they're 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 uh two they're a duo, yeah. um, but there's a lot of different production in it. But the faces space of the band is to is Tyler and the other guy's name is, um, but uh, I it's it's interesting because throughout the song there seems to be this preoccupation with not wanting people to think that he's a hypocrite, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because. When you present that as an idea, I think in your music, there's, um, it, it's twofold because you're risking people thinking like, well, it's this double mindset of like he's brave enough to say that there are things that he is ashamed of, and that like that there's this, but then also there's this idea of like, oh, this guy has a problem, right? And that's another thing that um, was is interesting about how worship music has changed because these are Christian artists for those who aren't aware. And there's this idea that like, um, from when I was younger, the art, there were artists that were starting to form this Christian alternative group and they were starting to think like, well, we can write more about our personal spiritual journeys, um, as opposed to just songs to God. Just like worship band songs kind of thing. Right. So, but the the problem with that becomes that you're labeled as like 
and and he actually references this later. There was there was a thing that was there was a thing that was making fun of contemporary worship. It was uh, a, a a person that was saying all of the facades that come up, become a part of modern worship, and he was saying, "I I put my hands up so that you can see my tattoos oh. and know that I have a past <laughs> or something." So there's that idea of like when you let somebody in on the fact that you say like you know i i i i i struggle just as you do then you're you're branding yourself as this black sheep type persona and then i think there's a risk of coming up across as you don't take sin that seriously and there's this uh i think that there's a uh a um a self-satisfying thing of getting sympathy and and it's a it's a interesting thing about write, writing everything as if it's a confessional thing because then it becomes you, your audiences you're like your therapist right and you can do that so like there's uh i think he handles it uh well and there there are certain songs on here that are like very cathartic and that i think could really speak to people um but the, the, there is that distracting thinking of like, you know, no, like you're, I can, I can tell that you do really have a problem with like anxiety and mm -hmm. worrying what people think about you because it's very prevalent. That's a, that is a big theme is what people think of. Yeah. I, I think what struck me most from this first song mm -hmm. is that, that phrasing about gangsters don't cry. Uh -huh. So I'm mis Mr. Misty eyed. Uh -huh. Which I think actually will probably tie into the idea of a blurry face because if you are trying not to cry, everything looks blurry. Oh, very good. Right? Mm -hmm. So he knows he has a problem and he's trying not to cry about it and he's asking for help, but because he's trying not to cry about it, he can't see very clearly. That's mm -hmm. what I got so far. <laughs> I, I my, my deep moment, my deep, my deep thought for the first song. Yeah. <laughs> So then the second one um, is was a pretty big single. Um, it seems like everybody can kind of uh, identify with that idea of like being an adult is hard. And when you're a kid, you have this idea of adulthood that is uh, like, I'll be worry free when I have control of everything that I do. And then you get to that point and you realize, oh, that means I have to worry about everything. <laughs> I have to earn enough money to feed myself. And that's um, another thing that uh, he um, he, he that's the first song that really references Blurry Face. Um, and it, it's interesting because Blurry Face is uh, in my in my um, you know uh, anal analyzation of it seems like it's i i am my own enemy it's it's like like it's the the ambiguity of it of the blurriness of it can be associated with the fact that like i don't know because i'm doing things that i'm ashamed of it's this weird um cyclical thing of like this uh ambiguity is coming from the fact that i don't identify with this person that's doing these things um, and, uh, and within this song, it seems like it's specifically 
that he is, um, he cares about what people think, even though he doesn't identify with the, like, I guess if he was, uh, I, I did an ad read for my book because at the end of my book, there's a character telling his nephew things. And that, that to me was a perfect way of summing up the book at the end of it, because it was basically like, you should act in such a way that the advice that you give to a young person is what you live is how you live. And so as an artist, I would think that it would be the same thing where he's like the type of person that he wants to be for his fans is the type of person that he's not when he is blurry face and he's trying to get away. So you think he is also blurry face? Yes. I I think that it's, it's very much like blurry face is, is him not looking clearly a, a at personification himself? of it's like a per- personification of this this part of himself that he doesn't recognize. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense because that's why he's wishing it, he could go back to being an innocent kid mm-hmm. and not be the mess that he is now. Right. But and it's funny because a lot of these and he he brings up at the end at, at, in one of the songs like I know this sounds like it's very happy even though the lyrics are very down. Um. But that's an interesting thing about rock in general is that the yeah it it's a, it's a cathartic experience. You're like dancing out the demons in a way, um, and so the um, that this is a very kind of like like it's a heavy beat song and, and stuff. But I it, think it the is, one that, that stood out to me in this one, uh-huh. and I think this is the other one I was talking about that I really well. I told you I really liked this one. This, there's this one and one other song that I really like. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, is the wake up you need to you need to make money line because mm. I think that's something most most adults have to realize at some point and most artists I think have a harder time accepting mm. is that you can't just go on having fun making art all the time you right. need to make you need to support yourself right and it sucks and you time to have to put your dream aside for a while to do that and mm. you know. And and I think that when you become a successful artist, there's this uh, there's this fear that what you what you make will no longer right. be relevant. Yeah. So you're fighting because there's the stuff that you want to make and do, and um, as as is seen in Bohemian Rhapsody, there are the money making people that want you to make something that is formulaic, and so there's this there's this battle of doing something that's never been heard before or seen or done if you, as, as the artist and doing what you, you are sure will rec- give you a return on your investment. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure that's part of the adulthood spectrum for him as a, as a, you know, recording artist. Um, the next song was ride. Um, and th- this one was kind of hard for me to um, analyze. Um, and um, I must have lost listening to the lyrics in the middle of this one because I don't remember the words because I would have caught this. Um, so the whole difference between I I'd die for you versus I'd live for you. Right. So so w- what I put was that it's fun to fantasize about quote unquote like going out in a blaze of glory, and uh, to me like the imagery in this. It's interesting because uh, throughout this, he has different imagery about killing and and like it's this very kind of um, you're you're not sure because there's 
uh, you know, there's different ways that you could interpret different things. And I think as opposed to this concept album being the same images throughout, there's just different songs that kind of reference um, different aspects, I think, of Blurry Face and, and what what specifically about himself he needs to get over. Um, but with this one, it seemed like a very masculine thing of like, I think men have this idea of like, um, I just need to do this, like whatever this one thing is. Like, for example, we just did uh, a 24 hour live stream. And I think that that's a, uh, it's an interesting thing because what I was tweeting at uh, Extra Life about it, I was saying like, it's a fun challenge to stay up 24 hours, but there's this uh, idea with men that like we need to suffer and, and like, that's, that's this idea of like, I can stay up 24 hours and still do good. <laughs> so like th that idea of going, like he uses bullets and things like that and it being easier to die for somebody than to live for right. them. Because so that there's this natural part of yourself that, that says, I just need to do, um, I, I like I can I can look good in front of everybody by you know and and I think uh, I I also have these ideas of like if I'm out with my girlfriend or out with you guys and like there's a uh someone attacks us yeah somebody attacks us I'd be like if I get shot then like at my funeral everybody's gonna be like he was such He's a hero, hero. And, you know yeah so there's that Actually, masculine idea thing in the sermon this morning mm -hmm. or not the sermon in the. Oh, in the videos. In the Sunday school. Yeah. Um, talking about the difference between the mom in the house who does the dishes every day mm -hmm. and cleans up after dinner mm -hmm. and the one time when you have guests over and the dad gets up to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, he's doing it to take a hit mm -hmm. to look good in front of other people and it's mm -hmm. like a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. So, to die for somebody is this big one-time showy, yeah, I got this, I'm going to get in front and die for you and that's right. it. But that's it. You're not the one who's been suffering for that person through their life by right. taking, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a big. We could go on forever about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, um, I like that that imagery, and I think that a lot of guys can identify with that. And it's it's cool that that they have a song that's about like having the integrity to make that a lifestyle choice that you continually sacrifice for somebody, not just look for those opportunities to. Uh, make a show of it and um even even in your own estimation of what you're doing have those like big moments where you you shine uh it's it's like a daily type of thing um and and as we're saying from the the doctrines and that we're studying as believers that's a, a theme that um i i mean i think it's a big part of the sunday school thing we've been going over that you know, holiness is a, is something that you strive for daily, not something that is, um, you know, uh, a battle that's already won. Like it's a continuous thing. Um. So I looked up. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, next one is fairly local. This is the other one I think that I really really liked. Um. This one? Um. So yeah, the. Uh, this is one I was I, I would I was thinking that that the images kind of change throughout and that there are different things. So it starts off with kind of the idea of like habits are hard to break and trying to break this like cycle of of failure and, and things like that. 
but then he, he goes to a, a wider, it's almost like he zooms out and he's talking about how, like, um, America is unfeeling despite it being a dumpster fire <laughs> kind of thing that, like, there even when when controversy is at its hottest, there's still this inner coldness. Mm. And I, I like that as an image. That was kind of a cool um, thing. And it, it felt like Blurry Face was the narrator in certain parts of it. Um, so what, what do you, what do you got about it? I like that idea that, that the, the beginning is talking about habits. Mm -hmm. I thought it was more like him talking to somebody else being like, I know where you're going and I know where this goes mm -hmm. kind of concept. Like he's trying to help somebody else. I was going through the same things. Okay. Um, and then the whole idea that this song's never going to be on the radio because, um, like, nobody else gets affected by stuff. Like, we're emotional and you're not wanting... That That I do agree with. Like, you're not wanting to feel what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just trying to, you know, be cut off from that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're the emotional and we're proud that we're emotional, but you don't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, Alright, so the next one uh, I thought was really sweet. It was a, a love song. Um, but it, 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 it's another kind of masculine thing I've noticed where a lot of... Well, actually, when I realized it was when I was listening to uh, one of my Uber drivers was on an R&P station and I realized that a lot of the a lot of love songs by men are about suffering and that's a lot of how love <laughs> love hurts you. so bad <laughs> yes that it's, has been the theme of love songs for a very very long yeah time. yeah yeah but it seems very like a very it's time. a very male thing to write to write that way where it's like with women it seems like love is a uh like love makes me feel good and it, it, it may be because most, most of the female love songs are bragging about the person they love uh -huh. So like there's like isn't this guy awesome and isn't he handsome and this is how he treats me and he gets me all these like it's more about how awesome the partner is. Mm. They they do have some where you're like pining away for them, but it's uh -huh. usually more of a why are you with her? So it's either it's either you're awesome and look how awesome my dude is, or I hate him because he's over there with this other person. Oh, <laughs> jealousy stuff. That's funny. Um. Oh yeah. He's comparing his love to a terror. Uh, in in his heart, or his love, the loved one, to a tear in his heart. Oh, and this that, is the one you fell asleep in my car. One, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's, so I was gonna say that there are some. That's really there are cute. Some he's funny avoiding. Ironic... He's avoiding the potholes so she could stay asleep in the car. I thought that was a really cute picture. Yeah, that and so it's like I'm cursing my government for not filling the yeah, potholes. It's like how dare they not fill the potholes in the car so you could take a nap in the front car in the front seat? Like, what yeah. world are you going on about, dude? Like. Calm and then down. I thought it was cute that he, he called her a, a butcher with a smile. Oh. That was a cute line. Because it's like, it's the, the it's ironic imagery, but it, mm -hmm. it's it is very cute in the sense that like, uh, um, because I, on, on the Genius lyrics page, it showed him a picture of him. Because I think Tyler, the main, the lead singer, writes most of the music. Uh, and so it's, it uh, showed his wife and, and them smiling, so it was kind of cute to see um, that next to the next to the lyrics. Um, the next one is Lane Boy, and that is kind of 
I don't know how long that's been a thing, but stay in your lane mm-hmm. is a big. Um, it it's 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 big because it. I think it. That's a, a kind of universal idea that there are people that will tell you that you're doing something. I, I it's a, actually it's a very hipster um, phenomenon where like there are people that police what you can and can't do and that there are like different scenes. And so like if somebody starts like, you know, basket weaving and <laughs> you're an expert ba- basket weaver, you're just like, you're such a poser. You think you're a basket weaver like me. <laughs> um, but they're, I think talking about it in this, in the terms of like we were talking about before with their genre bending, you know, music that people want them to stay in a certain lane. Um, and that there are certain lines in this that sound kind of like, I, I know to you from you and your RPG friends that it's it's become referred to as grim, grim, grimdark. Oh yeah, that idea of like um, I, I forget what the specific reference is in the song, but there's kind of this like posturing that they do in it a little bit, and it's it's that that's what's weird about the whole. Um, what we were talking about with the um, the bragging and and uh, like um, to speaking like speaking to your enemies in your whatever your art is because it's like if you really didn't care what they thought yeah you wouldn't address you wouldn't be them trying to yeah <laughs> talk to the so the there's a little bit of that um, but I I do like how he introduces the idea of singles as currency um. And uh, I, I was telling you before that Chance the Rapper, you know, he got a Grammy. He was the first guy to get a Grammy for just streaming his music. And in that group of songs, there is a song where he says one of his executives was trying to make. He said, you want a three minute song. I want a three hour praise session to to the early morning or something like that. So it's like. That the, an artist sees their music as this very personal thing, right? And there, there are people in suits that are trying to jerry rig it to be right to be something they can make money off of. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I can identify with that because it seems like it doesn't. It's not just any specific genre. Like every artist, and that came up in Bohemian Rhapsody as well. Like they want to have a specific formula so that they can sell stuff. Um, the line I like the best from this song. Uh huh. Is don't trust a song that's flawless. Or yeah, so I I wrote that down with my last thing was don't trust perfection, and it's funny because that's that seems to me to it's like within this one song you have what you have throughout the album, which is like there's there's hubris, humility, and love all at the same time. You have this feeling of like they are trying to make an impact, and and they're being. Um, in some terms, like, aggressive about their art, and, like, this is, you know, the bomb. You should be listening to this. But at the same time, there's this humility from the authenticity of, like, you can tell they're really writing about how they feel. Right. And that it's them doing it as opposed to a producer, you know, writing their music right. for them. Um, and that they do have a love for the people that they're writing to. Like, they've, you know, created a relationship with their audience that is very meaningful. Yeah, I um, think it's a stab at overproduced stuff. Right. Right. Like can can music. 
<laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there there starts to be very. Uh, it, I think it becomes more explicit with some of the uh, religious imagery mm-hmm. and uh, the different um, you know metaphors and and the 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 battle with blurry face kind of takes a front seat. Yeah. Uh, and um, the the next song, Judge, it, I thought it was very interesting that they started off with this like subtle whirring. Yeah. It was like this yeah. like, kind that of that was weird... a really weird noise. I thought it was from like I was I was sitting in the living room with my headphones on listening to this, and I thought it was a noise from outside. Right. I didn't realize it was in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is that weird? Oh wait, <laughs> it's in the okay. Yeah. <laughs> And and I think that maybe that's an interesting that that physical thing that happened to you is probably a good uh, way of describing what he's saying in this song because he it sounds like like he has this kind of cartoonish imagery of like the the head of the bad guys is in his um like production studio making this music that sounds sad and is really false. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because he's saying like, I don't know if I'm reveling in this or surrendering. Um, and so that it's an interesting, um, idea of like, when you're confessing to being imperfect at this, if like, if you're not doing that in a way to allow God to intervene, it could seem just like you're you want sympathy and and you want all your henchmen <laughs> to like you know pay attention to this like oh oh it's so sad and and um you poor thing uh so yeah i i thought that 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 was an interesting entree into the more spiritual half of the album is is there but <laughs> i thought you look strange no, there's just questions at the bottom. I'm, I'm on the Genius Lyrics page, and it's weird questions at the bottom that I don't quite understand. But oh, anyway. Okay. No, Is, I... this So, I have a bad habit of when things get too repetitive, I tune them out. Uh-huh. So, there were a couple bits that were a little too repetitive in here, but that's that's not their fault. That's just me. Not well, it, it, it's an interesting thing, because that as I was listening to the album, I was listening as a critic as opposed to just listening for fun. So as as I got through the song, I would just like skip like once I got to where there was they were just repeating the chorus, I would oh. just stop listening. But I think that you could I mean that's a valid criticism of the thing if it, if it's to the point where you're not in the groove enough to keep listening. Yeah, it's actually been paying attention um, to the other lyrics. But but that was another note that I had about it was that the if it feels totally inconsistent and you're distracted by the repetitive nature of it, I feel like it's adi- It's an adequate critique to say, like, you're not fully sold on that song. It's like, it's not, it's not doing enough work. I don't think it did enough work to be totally consistent to where you're identifying with it. It just kind of sounded like he was in his tour bus and like, that's a cool idea. That's a cool idea. <laughs> and then five choruses that repeat yeah. the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, so that wasn't one of my my favorite ones. Um, but I did like that idea of rebelling versus surrendering. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the next one was doubt. Um, and I like this a little bit. There's more a lot than... of imagery about things being cold in this one. Yes. Yeah. I, I was like, going to say that. Another one. Um, I, I said Blurry Face is quote unquote scared to death because at the beginning he says um, he's afraid that he'll die of uncertainty and that fear might be the death of him. Um, so there's this idea of like fear being this paralyzing, incapacitating thing. Um, and when you're talking about with the coldness, it's like blurry face makes things cold, but safe at the same time, because he's like talking about how, um, like I I shake my hands with the dark things and they're, it's like contradictory because he says no at the end of both of those lines. So there's this idea of like, I think, I know that this is, I think maybe this is. Well, yeah, because you're afraid to let go of... It's not so much that, you know, it's safe necessarily, but safe in the sense of it's familiar. It's like, I know this, and that you know this might kill me, but I know this, as opposed to, I don't know what's going to happen if I let you go. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's this idea of, like... The devil you have. This is crippling, (laughs) but it's it's what I know. Um, And then, with the bridge, he kind of takes a stab at religion. He says, like... I'm. I've. It's a weird image, but like he's talking about gnawing on bishops. Yeah. Um. And it, it, I was thinking of like, well, I, I don't think he's a zombie, so I'm thinking like <laughs> he must be talking about the bishop and chess. And so you think of chess. Mm-hmm. He also talked about the the system of religion. So it's like chess is is like a, a this recognized game and it right. has its moves and it's very and rigid and 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 um. But what's it? What's interesting to me is that authenticity to him he was talking about like living up to his tattoos kind of because <laughs> he's like living up to what's on his skin and th- to me i got the image of like i was talking about before of like somebody who has tattoos that mean something to them and that commitment it takes to put something on your skin permanently so it was like it's that scene in certain circles is a very um anti-religious thing or or this thing that's uh pagan um but he's he's talking about it in this in this honorific term of like that what it what he's gone through should mean something uh that it means more than this kind of cold religious yeah going through the motions type stuff there there any commentary that you have specifically okay i don't want to um, monopolize. Um, next we have Polarize. And, uh, I think I, this was one of the ones I liked best musically. Okay. When I remember. Uh-huh. Um, I sucked the bottom of my LaCroix can <laughs> while you... And I liked what they were saying, what, what the words mean in here, or uh-huh. at least what they make you feel. And sure. then the whole Domingo and Fuego phrase that he's using. Uh-huh. Sunday on Fire mm-hmm. is a really interesting Yeah, I, I liked that um, thing to bring up, especially since we've been talking about things getting cold and then now it's heating mm-hmm. up again for him, right. but he's making it uncomfortable, so he's like, alright, then just 
show me which pole is which, what what goes where. Is this right. this side or is this this side? Let's pick a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I almost, I thought about it almost like how a magnet that when it's north and north touching. Oh, yeah, it'll, it, it, they'll reject each other. Yeah, so to me it felt like he wants Blurry Face to be so... Um, oh, because he's talking about, you know, make me, I want to en- be an enemy to my... Where is it? Where did, where did that go? That was just, <laughs> just looking at it. Uh, anyway, somewhere in one of these songs, she was talking about wanting to be an adversary to his problems. Uh-huh. Or to, oh, I wanted to be a better adversary to the evil I have done. Oh, uh-huh. right. Yeah, so it's this, this idea of, of getting it... Um, Making it this alien right, thing. Right, starting that, to sort out stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not be blurry anymore. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's interesting to me, like the whole admit you have a um, a problem thing. Um, that I thought that was an interesting idea. Um, and then he says, "Though I'm running to you, you know where I'm coming from." I thought that was an uh, interesting line. Um, but all you. All you feel is denial. So he's there's this idea of like, and that that I can identify more with like, more than being a hypocrite to this audience that he has, since he's identified that as a problem. Him talking about that as like, explaining to his audience that doesn't make sense to me as much. But then, when you're talking about with God, that I immediately could identify with. But yeah. this is idea of like I've done things that I'm ashamed of and then come to God to, for forgiveness, knowing that I could make the same mistake right, again. Tomorrow, you know. So he's he's saying, like, all you feel is the, you know, my denial of yourself, even though I'm running to you. So that was very, um, you know, cathartic. Line. Um, uh, the, we don't b- believe what's on TV. I like song. this a lot. Oh, really? So yeah. ex- explain to me why. So the whole first verse there about that, I'm just going to read it because it's very well done. <laughs> we don't believe what's on TV because it's what we want to see and what we want. We know we can't believe we all have. We have all learned to kill our dreams. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I like that maybe more than the rest of the song. It's like <laughs> well, I was the rest saying, of it, I was like, I'm just sitting here looking at it. I was like, how does that have to do with the rest of it? Because the rest of it is almost like a love song. Right. About, um, are you going to stick around even if I hurt you or whatever? Because mm-hmm. if you do, then we're going to have this beautiful life together. Uh-huh. So what I what I came to was that it was the di- difference between superficial and real dreams. Ah, okay. Um, and I, I did like the, the line, I don't care what's in your hair. Yeah. Because I immediately thought of like a, a commercial about oh, yeah, like yeah. L'Oreal. Or so, and right. this, so there's this idea of, of beauty... And he's like, I don't really care about that. Um, but the it, it is kind of a, like, I didn't really identify with the, the metaphors of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause it's like what I was saying, like the, the, that idea of we're, we're different and we're selling you this thing of like, um, this alternative to what you see in media. Right. Like this is an authentic thing is kind of mm-hmm. like, like, I've, I've heard that before and so it's kind of it's lost its meaning oh. to me as much but 
Um, I think it's well written. It's just that me- that specific it's message. You specifically, I've heard do- I've heard done um, before. I really like the hometown. Okay. The, I like the imagery of the. I, I felt like it was like sun and sun. That religious idea of when you say sun, you mean Jesus. Right. And it reminded me of that verse of that Jesus, of Jesus saying, "A prophet's not recognized in his own uh, home." Um, I, I thought that's kind of what he was referring to when he said, "Our hometown is dark." Um, and it's interesting. Uh, and it, it, I identified it with my writing where there are characters that have some form of virtue, but then also have some kind of dark darkness that follows them. And his there's a line, there's lines that make it seem like even though he's trying to evangelize in some way or he has some sense of peace that is not felt where he comes from. Um, blurry face is still like haunting him and there's this idea of like it's still a part of me um, and I I thought that that was a real good um, like it was a that was a, that was a song that I felt like that pierced that veil of like I know I know specifically what this is about and it makes it that stronger of a right. song for me um, then there was uh, Not Today um, and I think these last two songs are, are uh, it's cool as a, as a, uh, as a, as a closer, mm-hmm. um, because he talks about like, you're, you are out of my mind. And that, I thought that was a, a cute yeah. way of putting it that like, this is, this is something that I, I, these thoughts are such that I identify with them so little that like, it's like, you're out. You're, yeah. You're outside of my head now. <laughs> um, and uh, waste I waste all my time running from you is another really good image to me. Um, and what it reminded me of was that disassociative identity. Like, for those of you who don't know, I learned this in psychology 101 <laughs> at my college, that uh, uh, schizophrenia is no longer referred to as multiple personality disorder because they want people with that disorder to understand that these are not voices Other, that you're yeah, hearing. Creatures that are in your head. No one else exists. No. This, is this is you disassociating your from into... your own self. And the idea is to help heal them. You're, you're telling them that you are one person. And the things that you do not like, you know, or at least in this interpretation of that idea, he's saying that he feels insane because there are thoughts that he has that he doesn't welcome with open arms. Um, but in recognizing that, it's the first step, I think, to uh, getting better. Uh, and also, as an artist, I can identify with the whole idea of, um, he says, like, the world's, he feels at times like the world is better without him outside trying to transform it. Um, and uh, it's kind of this idea of when he says he's opening the curtains, you can't help somebody else unless you have the right tools. Right. And so it's like letting the light in means that he can be the type of person that helps somebody else. Um, and then the, the song Goner, he uses the metaphor of glory uh, faces like a ghost mm-hmm. and that it is dead, but it's still close to him. And uh, it's like glory faces a ghost trying to be resurrected. Right. Kind of sounded like. Um, I just like the idea of the two faces as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a lot of people, not just Christianity, I guess, that, that talk about that kind of concept where you have two parts to yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, just the idea that he's finally accepted, look, yeah, there's two faces, but I'm not that one. <laughs> that mm-hmm. one is leaving. We're kicking that out. And and even if I don't get rid of it now, because this is the close, the ghost of you is close to me. I'm in sit out. You're underneath. So, like, it's mm-hmm. he's overcoming it, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of idea. Uh, and I, I I thought that the image of I'll slip away into the sound was very yeah uh, powerful in terms of like the like voicing your struggle is a form of power that you're able to like disappear into your art. Um, and then that I thought it was a very powerful thing when he says, "Don't let me be gone," and he's embodying blurry face, uh, but it's it's being vanquished, kind of. And uh, it turns out in that they they this was a very an older song. They released this in 2015, but in, they had this song on the books for since like 2012. And the first version of it used an accordion, and it was the creaking of it was supposed to sound like uh like a noose mm-hmm. so it's like it's oh. a form of suicide but he's killing the, the bad part okay um so i thought that that was a cute yeah, that is way of um uh, of symbolizing that you have to find a different word for you other than cute it, yeah well it's it's, it's funny sure because it's referring to a hangman's noose sound is not cute <laughs> uh well yeah it's it's a it's a problem because if I was talking to Tyler himself, I would not be using the word cute. But uh, that's... Uh, effective? It's effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's Creative. an effective way. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really like uh, this band. I like their art. Uh, I can, I think I can uh, like them without liking everything that they do. Um, but uh, it, it was interesting to listen to this and, and try to to pick apart the different images and the different um, parts. I like of that it. about poetry anyway. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can do a book of poetry at some time. Yeah, yeah I definitely as well. would like to talk more about poetry and, and uh, songwriting and the different things that you get from it. Uh, any final words before we take off? About Blurry? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Blurry Face. Blurry Face. Yes. <laughs> about Mr. Blurry? About Mr. Blurry. Uh, no, I just, I think it was neat. I'm glad I got to listen to it. Um, Mm -hmm. it had a lot of things go that, that I appreciated. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. That's it. Well, thank you for listening. If you want to suggest concept albums for us to go through, uh, please do by emailing us at unboxingstorypodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, we're at unboxingstory. Um, and, uh, we also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Think Outside the Box. Uh, please support our show. And you can also get access to our random media minicast where we do get into more uh, media than um, movies and, and uh, books, which is kind of our two main bags. Um, so uh, support us there for that, as well as supporting our, our art uh, as, as you get and get access to The Iron Sorcerer, Melissa's uh, serial um, novella. And um, you can also help me at editing for uh, my novels. I'm working on a series, Seven Deadly Sins, as you, you heard in the ad break. Um, and uh, this month is NaNoWriMo, and you will be watching us try to frantically create. 
lots of words. Yes. Uh, uh, Nano for the for the uninitiated is a challenge where writers try to word uh, create fifty thousand word novels in a month's time. Uh, it's kind of just a kick in the pants to get all yeah, the to get the words down, all the, the crappy words first, onto paper. First so messy draft. Can, yeah, <laughs> so that you can uh, rearrange them and make them better. Um, so yeah, look out for that on on our social media and and on our Patreon page, and we'll talk to you uh, later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.